Well, good. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, uh, worship team. And uh, how about giving a, a shout out to our tech team? They just do a. Sometimes we just leave those brothers up there in the crow's nest up there to hang out. They do a marvelous job. Not only do they make us sound good, they kind of make us look good too. I'm telling you, they, and that's a work in some of our cases. Guys, thank you so much. They, they do a yeoman's job, do a yeoman's job. Hey, we're continuing in our working through the Beatitudes. Uh, this is our seventh Beatitude this week. And uh, so let's continue to plow through that. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, with the first verse through the 12th verse. Is that, is there something going on here? Is that me or y'all? No? Huh? Okay. There we go. Is that good? Am I just losing my hearing? Is that what you're saying? Huh? Yeah. How this, how's that for a professional church right there? Just communicating, huh? In this first class. Can we edit that out of the video clip there? Thank you so much. Okay, here we go. Peacemakers. Matthew 5, verse 1 and following. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, he, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and began teaching them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they, shall, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for, for the righteous sake, for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice, he says, and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. We love you. We praise you. We thank you that we can be in this room today worshiping you in spirit and in truth. Father, thank you for this moment that we can have to unpack your word and learn from it. Father, let us walk away from this place completely different. Lord, we love you. We do praise you. We thank you for what you're about to do in our midst. Father, let us be peacemakers, not just makers of peace. Lord, let us be what you want us to be, the church of the living God, standing firm in the midst of persecution, in the midst of scenarios that we didn't ask for. But let us stand firm and let that gospel ooze out of our lives. Let it come forth from our lips. Let us be light in a dark world. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We live in a broken world. We have talked about this many times and we've we discussed it in sidebar conversations. The world is broken. It's broken because of sin. 
Pain is part of life. There is no such thing as a pain-free life. Pain is inevitable to every one of us. Pain is universal to us all. When you and I began to follow Jesus, not all of the pain, not all of the trouble, not all of those scenarios walked away from us. It's still in our lives. They were never taken away. Jesus does not eliminate all the pain that we will face once we become Christ followers. But he will transform the pain for his glory. He gives meaning to it. He gives purpose to it. You will see the significance of it if you stay in the journey long enough. However, as long as we live here on earth, we will experience some sort of pain. That makes us, uh, gives me hope that in heaven, because heaven is such a wonderful place, a wonderful place that we have this wonderful hope because heaven, there is no sorrow, there is no suffering, there is no more sickness, there is no more sadness, there is no more tears, no more tangles, no more particular problems of any kind. There is no pain. Why? Because it is heaven and heaven is perfect. But we still, as we're still here on earth, you and I agree to this. We will experience some sort of pain from time to time. Regardless of the pain that we go through, the growing as Christ followers, we learn from the experience of growing through the pain and how God can use the pain to help others. God wants to make us peacemakers, not just keepers of peace. Once we begin to experience and recover uh, recovery and restoration and revival and renewal, once we begin to the spiritual growth, we begin to experience the peace of God that passes all understanding in our own particular lives. God says, I want you to pass it on so others might experience it as well. That's called gospel conversation. That's called gospel penetration. For a matter of fact, it is proof of our own recovery. When we go through the recovery process, when we have the renewal and revival, so to speak, personally in our own lives, we will want to share that with those that are going through difficult times. Paul writes to this church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. Listen to these words, the uh, century evangelism version of the scripture. It says, God was in Christ offering peace and forgiveness to the people of this world. And he has given us a, the work of, a work of sharing his message about peace. The great Dr. Charles Stanley, the many-year pastor, many of us have heard countless thousands of his sermons. Dr. Stanley once said in a sermon that I was in the room when he said these words, you will never be used of God greatly until you have been broken much. You'll never be used God of God greatly until you're broken much. Broken, being broken is a good thing. God uses broken people. With that said, my message truth for us to launch from today is this. I must yield myself to the Lord Jesus Christ to be used to bring the good news to others, both in my example and both by my words. 
2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 2 and following. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Verse 4, who comforts us all in our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in many afflictions, in any affliction, and with comfort with which we ourselves are comforted of God. So today we're looking at the seventh of the Beatitudes. And one translator wrote it these word, this way. The one translator translated this seventh Beatitude as blessed are those who make peace. They will be called sons of God. So today I want to take that one verse and I want to break it in two parcels. I want to take it in two sections. The first section is I think we need some definitions of the word peace. The word peace, the first part of this amazing verse deals with those who make peace. The first kind of peace is that of opposite of war. Many people that think that this beatitude means that we should not participate in war. They, they, they think that we should not participate in war. But wars will happen. And Jesus even talks about that in Matthew's gospel chapter 24. Notice what he says in verses 6 and following. Wars are ultimately as a result of sin in the world. And he says in verse 6. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of war. Not my words, God's words. Wars and rumors of wars, see that you are not frightened for those things. Much must take place, but that, that is not yet the end. For the nation will rise against nation. For nation will rise against nation. Let that sink in. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. And in various, uh, in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of the birth, birth pangs. The, the, then they will deliver, for, deliver you the tribulation. And you will kill, will kill you. And you will be hated by nations on account of my name. Did that make make you feel good did that make you just feel warm and fuzzy all over folks let me tell you something Jesus said they're going to hate us because they hated him there are going to be wars there are going to be rumors of wars there's going to be famine there's going to be earthquakes there's going to be all of these kinds of things but go down to verse 14 and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world world for witness to all the nations and then the end shall come the end shall come oh my dear friends we have a mandate that we have a mandate that there are going to be, we are opposite of the world as Christ followers. This beatitude was meant for the Jewish leaders. Jesus wanted the Jewish leaders to understand that the Messiah came to give peace. Many, many of the prophecies in Isaiah talk about kingdom, a king who will conquer and rule. The Pharisees thought that the Messiah would come and physically take over the Roman Empire. They didn't understand that these prophecies were for the future when Jesus will come again to rule the 
the world. God made a covenant of peace with Israel when Jesus was ruled as king and prince over all. Notice what it says in Isaiah chapter 40. I want you to look at this. This is very, very interesting. Verse 10, Isaiah 40, verse 10. Notice what he's saying. Behold, the Lord God will come with might. And with his arm ruling for him, behold, his reward is with him and his uh, recompense uh, before him. Notice back over in Isaiah chapter 9. Notice this real quickly. Isaiah chapter 9. For the child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to, to the increase of his government of peace. Oh my dear friends, listen to me. Wars have to happen. They are part of life. So the first kind of peace is opposite of war. The second kind of peace is of a spiritual peace. We gain spiritual peace with God through salvation. Now, maybe you did not realize it, but when you were before a Christ follower, before you became a believer of Jesus Christ, before you received him as your personal Savior and Lord, you were in turmoil. You were in turmoil you were in war inside your own life you say well I had a pretty good life I was comforted and everything was rocking and rolling my my mom and dad were taking care of I was actually getting three meals a day I had a house with a roof over it everything seemed to be fine I just came under conviction and realized I needed a savior you see we gain spiritual peace with God through salvation in Jesus Christ Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, Paul reminds the Ephesians that before they accepted Christ, they were separated from the love of God. If you want to denote that, it's Ephesians chapter 2. Before you were separated from the commonwealth of Israel, by nature, here he goes, by nature, children of wrath. Man, does that make you feel good? That's who you are. You are children of wrath, separated from the love of God. And then in verse 4, he says, but... God being rich in mercy. You see, dear friends, before we came to faith in Christ, whether we thought everything was smooth sailing in our lives, we were opposite of peace. We needed the spiritual peace that only God could give us that. We were separated. Paul reminded the church at Ephesus that. He also reminds that of, that of us today. Christ not only provides peace with God, but he provides peace with other people. He provides peace with other people. There is now peace between Jews and Gentiles in Christ Jesus. We are all one body, one member of members of God's forever family. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say to the church at Colossae chapter 1 verse 20. And through him... To him, to, through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross through him. I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And I, I want to look at that verse in chapter 2 of Ephesians. Therefore, remember you were formerly walked. You were uh, formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcised by the circumcision. 
which formerly by the, in the flesh human hands. Remember at the time you were separated. And I love what verse 13 says. But now in Christ Jesus who were formerly far off you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. We won't take a time to finish the entire text. But understand we have the definition of opposite of peace is war. The other definition is a spiritual peace. And the third kind of peace that I think he is telling us today is the peace of inner peace in our lives. Inner peace in our lives. This is the peace that God gives us in times of trouble. When we're going through most difficult moments in our lives, this is what he's talking about, an inner peace. Right now, my dear brother, I know him well enough. I've been, been doing ministry with him for almost over, over 20 years now. I know, laying in that hospital bed in San Pedro Sula, he already has the peace that passes all understanding. He knows he has that inner peace going through the trouble. He was walking, minding his own business. I'm quite certain he was doing what he always does. He was walking and praying. Now, I just pray he was walking and praying with his eyes open. But they hid him from behind. And ran over my dear friend, Pastor Thomas Montoyo. He is laying there right now. I know him well enough that he's laying there, yes, in pain. Yes, he's, in, he's hurting. But he knows that he has that inner peace in his life. This is the peace that God gives us when we go through times of trouble. Just before Jesus went to the cross, just before he went to the cross, he gave comfort to the disciples. He wanted the disciples to know that there was something better that awaited them. Jesus wanted them to know that he would not leave them alone. Jesus told his disciples that he would give them peace that passes all, all understanding. Oh, my dear friends, he gave them peace that passes all understanding so that they could have this in their mind, that they would not be troubled about any portion of that. John chapter 14, verse 27, notice what he says. My peace, he says, my peace I give you, not the world gives you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives you, do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled. That's the peace that he gives each and every one of us. Oh, my dear friends, that inner peace, if you don't have that, if you've got turmoil, churning in your own personal spirit today. Trust him for the peace that passes all understanding. The first definition is opposite of war. The second is spiritual peace. The third is interpeace. And the fourth kind of peace is the peace between people. I'm going to kind of get in your soup kitchen here just a little bit. Because sometimes this is where Christians... And I'm one of them, fail miserably. Sometimes we let that inner peace not be prevailed in our lives. We let that peace that broken down, we build barriers instead of highways to one another. We build, we build walls amongst, between each other instead of building roadways to each other to develop that wonderful love for each other. So many of the other believers, this is a matter of the heart. The peacemakers, our heart, we must center on Jesus, not ourselves. What do we do? We fight. We argue. We have all kinds of things like that. We, we want to get things our way. We want it our way. We need to obey God and come close to him. 
When we obey God and come close to him, we have, we have, we have attained that peace. And we were obeying him and we're walking in the spirit of the Lord. We are being able to work out our differences. Now gather in your clothes, folks. We're going to have differences. We are. It happens. Why? Because we're human. I mean, some people like barbecue pork and some like brisket. To be quite honest with you, I think both are of the Lord. (laughs) But some like barbecue chicken. What is the point? Chicken is to be fried, not barbecued. (laughs) Amen? But we have our differences, correct? Some like Georgia, some like Auburn, some like Kentucky. Heaven forbid anybody like in Alabama. I'm just saying, we have our differences, right? But we have got to be able to work in harmony together regardless of the differences. That is the kind of peace he's talking about. Peace between people. We must trust God and, and serve him faithfully. We must activate the pursuit of peace and allowing the peace to control our Hearts. Let me give you a shameless plug here. The Sunday of the Wednesday night of February the 28th, we began new grow groups. I'm going to start a brand new series working us all the way through the epistle of James. I want you to listen to a couple of verses. Here's a shameless plug here today. Things to avoid. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts in James chapter 4 verse 1 among you? Is it not the source your pleasures that wage war in your In your members, you lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. Wow, that's pretty strong. You who are envious cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, so that you may may spend it on your pleasures You adulteress, do not know that friendships with the world is hostility towards God. Go down to verse 6. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I wonder why Martin Luther didn't like James. Pretty straightforward stuff, right? That's pretty practical theology for us to consider here today oh my dear friends the fourth kind of peace is the peace between people if we're going to be the church for the next generation today we got to set aside our differences today we got to lay aside our own preferences and we got to say lord jesus we're looking to you the author and perfecter of our faith, we are going to look to you and we're going to follow you and we're going to trust our leadership, our spiritual leadership, that they're guiding us in the right direction. Yes, question. Yes, have open dialogue. Yes, have communication one to another. But at the end of the day, we, the world, desperately needs to see us standing in arms, locked arms, in unison, in peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So the second part 
of this verse simply says, they will or they shall be called sons of God. So who are the sons or the children of God? Who is that? That's you and I that have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord. We are sons of God. And children of God are led by the Holy Spirit. They're not led by Satan. Children of God are led by the Spirit of the living God that is indwelled in our lives. So we're children of God. We need to start acting like children of God. Children of God imitate Jesus. If you are a child of God, you will strive desperately to become a peacemaker. Turn with me to John chapter 1, verses 12 and following. Listen to this beautiful text. John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name, who were born of blood, nor of will of the flesh, nor, nor of the, not of blood, but nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, notice what it says. Excuse me, verse 13. But of God, we were born of God. Oh, my dear friends, let me tell you something. If you're saved by God's grace, you are a child of God. So I want to close this morning. I think the Lord really instructed my heart today to encourage us to help others. To be honest, there's a world out there that's dying without Jesus. There's a world out there that's disenfranchised with the church. To help others, I must be honest about what I've learned throughout the process. Someone asked me just recently, what is the best evangelism tool to use in sharing the gospel well there's a ton of tools out there there's all kinds of formulas and uh, outlines that we can go through but I have found the best tool is sharing my own personal story what Christ did for me why because I know what he did for me Yes, we need to intertwine the scripture text that goes along with that. But you see, I believe we need to share what God has taught us, what we've learned about being a peacemaker. The first one is this. I've learned to depend on God's love. Not on man's love, but on God's love. Man will let you down. Your best friends will let you down. Your closest associates will let you down. Your own family will let you down. Your spouse will let you down. You will let them down as well. But God never lets us down. Depend on his love. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8-10 and through 10 says, We were crushed and overwhelmed and saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. But that was good. For then we put everything into the hands of God who alone could save us and he did help us. So as we're sharing to be a peacemaker to those who are opposed to the things of God, we need to share from a perspective of what we've learned. Secondly, I need to help others by sharing what I've learned to follow God's word. To follow God's word. Psalms 119. It was the best thing that could have happened to me. For it taught me how to pay attention to your laws. 
I've said it time and time and time again. The Bible is a threefold purpose book. It is a comfort blanket in time of needs. When I just really am distressed in my own personal spirit, I get in the word of God and I feel comforted. It is a weapon of mass destruction. The Bible is. If I hide the word of God in my heart, I might not sin against him. I can come against, against the, the evil one when I know the scriptures. If I hide them in my heart. But I think the Bible is more than that. I think it is a roadmap for daily living. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You see, if I know the word of God, I'm going to try my best to every day to, to follow him, to know the word of God. I've learned to depend on God's love. I've learned to follow God's word. And thirdly, I learned that I need other people. I have some close friends of mine that are the most self-contained people I've ever met. And I call them out all the time. I do. I know that shocks y'all that I would call somebody out. But I call them out all the time because they think they've got it all put together, which they don't. Oh, they're hugely successful in their businesses. But I call them out to remind them, say, that we need each other. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. That means people encouraging one another. I need you in this room. You say, you really do? I absolutely need you. And I hope that you need something that I have. We need each other. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 11 says, Remember that in God's plan, men and women need each other. We need each other. Ecclesiastes, I think, is probably one of the overlooked books in Scripture. But Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 says these words. Two people are better than one. Two people are better than one. If one falls down, the other can come and help him up. But it is bad for the person who is alone and falls because no one is there to help him. So if we're walking in journey together... We have these partners together. That's why staff, when I, when I go to a church and I serve as a transitional pastor, the first thing I want to do is I want to get to know that staff. I want to have conversation with that staff. I want to see what's pressing their buttons, where, where they're walking in their journey because I need them to be with me and I want to be with them. I'm not here to rule over them. I'm not here to whip. I'd like to every now and then whip them with a whip, but it's not going to happen. But I'm here to walk in journey with them. And we as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so how does that equate to the normal church member sitting in the pew? If you are not involved in a life group, more than likely you're not walking with others. I challenge you. If you can only do one hour for God a week, do it in life group. Go to a life group. We got amazing life groups here at Roswell Street Baptist Church. So remember, we need other people. Opposite of war, spiritual peace, inner peace, peace between others, because they shall be called sons of God. So as I close today, I have one question for you. Who will you tell? Have you got somebody on your hit list? Do you have somebody on your list that you want to share the gospel with? Who will you tell? 
Who will you share the peace that passes all understanding? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We ought to be ringing that bell at the highest, at the highest point of our lives. We should be sharing that at the top of our voice. I am a son of God. You say, well, that's arrogant. No, it's not. It might just encourage them to say yes to Jesus as well. So who will you tell? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Let's pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe in this room today, you've been in turmoil. Maybe in this room today, you've been in conflict within your own life. Maybe in this room today, you're not a peacemaker, but a war maker. Maybe that means you need to confess. Maybe today you need to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Maybe you're viewing us by our live stream today, and that has spoken to your heart today as well. Oh, my dear friends, let's become peacemakers, not just keepers of the peace. Father, we love you. We thank you for what you're about to do in this place. Lead God and direct those that need to make public decisions today. Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Father, I ask you right now to speak into the lives of our people in this room and those that are viewing us by our live stream. Father, I pray that Roswell Street Baptist Church in the next generation of its church life will be known as a house of prayer, be known as a saving station where people can hear the good news and be encouraged by it but also that it is a place that has no torment, no turmoil, but a house of peace. Father, we love you. We praise you and thank you for what you're about to do in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, amen. We stand and sing. Our encouragers are here. Staff will be here at the front. You come right now if the Lord has spoken to your heart as Joe leads us right now.